Good morning. I understand you're the non-campers. Well, that would be a great place to be. So we'll hear about caring for creation while they're out there enjoying creation in a real rainy, cold, maybe wonderful sort of way. All the great ways that you can enjoy camping. The word today comes from Genesis um, chapter 1, verse 28, and chapter 2, verse 15. 128 says, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over everything, every living creature that moves on the ground. And Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is the word of the Lord. Um, the slide that you see shows the title of this um, message, Caring for Creation as Mission. And I believe that those are pretty, pretty solid words, caring for creation as mission. And I hope that you uh, will hear of that as we talk this morning. The, I'll start by saying that the end result of all of our stewardship, the end result of all of our caring for creation, is creation able to praise and worship God more. That's the end result of everything that, we're, that we do with our stewardship, caring for creation. And we're going to talk about creation, stewardship, and why it's mission. Um, before we do that, I would just give an introduction to myself and maybe explain a little bit of why it is and how it is that I got to be here in front of you this morning talking about this. Um, I grew up in Holland, Michigan, and I grew up in the suburbs. There was, uh, you know, curving roads and courts and lanes and all these different kind of names for streets and mailboxes and yards, and, and so it was pretty tame, I guess. And then, but nearby was a bit of what I would consider as a kid wild. Um, there was a little forest patch which led to a creek, which led to a river, which led to a floodplain on a golf course, and so I could go down there for hours with my friends and we would just explore and it was great it was you know, it was wild and then later I think I went to the wildest place that I could possibly get to as a kid was when I was about 13 12 13 years old I went with my dad to the upper peninsula to Sylvania has anybody heard of Sylvania recreation area it's a wilderness area um, no motorized vehicles nothing like that all canoes you know, and we went out there for a week of fishing and canoeing and camping. We had bear in the camp. Uh, it was great. It was just, it was as much mystery as a kid my age could handle. I mean, a loon on an upper Michigan lake surrounded by trees, no marks of civilization, still as glass making its evening call. If you've ever heard that, you know that was like very mysterious, very powerful. It was wonderful. And uh, I later went to northern Michigan and studied conservation. I finished working in the Peace Corps. Um, after I finished my, graduate, my uh, undergraduate work, I went and joined the Peace Corps in Paraguay and eventually found my way to Michigan State and studied forestry. And along the way, there was community development involved as well. I met Jan at Michigan State. We got married. And uh, we started working for CWRC. 
in community development. And then eventually we shifted and we moved over to World Missions in Romania, which I didn't think was too big of a deal. You know, we we're still working with people and still having everybody say, yes, we should try that new idea. Um, and part of my work that I took along was this idea of creation care, caring for creation. And um, when I got to Romania, I listened to see if anybody was saying anything about this. And there were a few people who were talking about this. And so we got together and we began to talk about what we could do. Um, right before I came to the US for this home service, we had a gathering of people for a creation care conference in Croatia at a theological school. And that was a, a very good event. And we're gonna follow up in the years to come with more events to raise up this, to mobilize God's people and churches to be stewards of creation. So what do we read in scriptures about creation? Um, in Psalm 24, we read that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In Psalm 104, Psalm 104 reflects the character of God as creator and sustainer and provider. Colossians 1, all creation points to Jesus. It was through him, he was before all things, and through him all things were made, and all things were made for him. And later, the Belgic Confession tells us that we know God through two books, the Word and through the creation. It says, we know God by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, since that universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God. That was written in 1561 by some people who didn't yet have our capacity for science and for understanding. And they said, look, when we look at all this stuff, we are looking at the very letters of God. We're looking at his fingerprints on creation, his touches on creation. It's a, it's a beautiful book where we can see everything and we ponder the invisible things of God. And we've been reading those letters of God ever more closely over the past, what, 500 years, close to 500 years. And through science, we have been able to understand more and more and more about those letters of God. And the next slide would be so when we, what we can do now with our understanding, they never imagined. Um, the one slide in the corner there is a mitochondrial DNA, electron, micro, electron uh, microscope photograph. And then the other, the, in the middle, we have the Krebs cycle, which is plant respiration. Something as a forester and as a botanist, uh, I studied botany, that's, a, that's a very near and dear to me, you know, the old Krebs cycle. And then we understand ecology, those, those animals, the relationships of all that in that mangrove forest, we understand that more. We understand the water cycle. We understand migration of terns and birds and all these things. When they wrote that in the Belgic Confession, they didn't understand these things. Through our ability to know more about God's world and to understand it more, we have been able to read deeper and deeper into those letters of God. And with that understanding, with that ability to read more and more, comes greater and greater responsibility. 
Okay, you can move the slide. So what do we see in our world of creation when we look outside? The, the people who are camping, um, they don't need to look very far. They're probably out in it. We need to look out the windows. And what do we see? Beyond this, well, I mean, outside we see trees, a cloudy day, and the, a mid-August day. We also see, when we look out at creation, we see beautiful places. We see wild places. We see familiar places. We see exotic places that we've, we would like to go visit someday. We see other places that are embedded in our memories, right? I could take you to a few patches of forest that are embedded in my memory deeply. You know, that's where I went to do all that exploring, right? And these were significant in our lives, and they, they gave us direction. God delights in what he made, and he delights in seeing us and having us enjoying his creation. Remember that. God delights when we delight in enjoying his creation. We respond to the beauty, the solitude, the adventure, the peace, the tranquility, the majesty, the wildness of creation, because that's how God made us, made each of us, unique in our appreciation of nature. We don't all enjoy it the same way, much like we don't all enjoy food or art or anything else the same way. We enjoy it uniquely. But we also have some big problems when we look out at nature, when we look out at creation. Um, we, can't, we can't turn on the news. Well, we don't really actually turn on the evening news so much anymore. We can't log into our evening. We can't log into our website to find the news coming at us without finding out about and hearing about um, some problems in the environment, in creation. There are massive storms. There are, there are bigger storms. There's rain where it shouldn't be raining and drought where it should be raining. There's, there's, it's, it's mixed up. We have heat waves and storms. Budapest is, um, was so hot this past summer. Much of France was burning up. Now we just had massive flooding in France, massive storms. Things are out of sync. There's, uh, there's something broken there. And we have, along with this, loss of biodiversity, deforestation, and habitat loss. We can see this when we look at the world around us. It seems that creation is breaking apart. And Scripture tells us this. Scripture says that creation is groaning under the weight of our disobedience. This is from Romans. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth birth, right up to the present time. Creation has not fallen, yet it is subjected to our disobedience. It's still affected, suffering by our rebellion, our selfishness, our arrogance, our pride, our greed, our forgetfulness. Our relationships with God, other people, and creation have been affected and broken by our rebellion and sin. So what do the scriptures say we should do to get back to the better place, the perfect place of shalom? Basically, simply put, we need to get on mission with God. Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus told his disciples on the mountain before he uh, ascended to heaven. This, was the, this is the great commandment. And it starts off by saying that all things in heaven and earth have been given to me. But as we see in this depiction here, the lordship of Christ in a person's life means that all of these things are held together in attention. And as a body of Christ, all of these things are held together pointing to Christ and coming from Christ in our daily lives. This is what we are going about doing. Next slide is good. And in doing these, when we're doing evangelism and discipleship, we're building the church. When we're doing compassion and service, we're serving society. The, the church's response to the crisis in Ukraine, the, the war in Ukraine, is evidence of our conviction that we must have compassion, we must serve other people. And our stewardship and earthkeeping is the recognition that all things, we, we, we hear Jesus say that and that we agree. Yes, all things in heaven and earth are yours. They're given to you, they're his. He's saying this is mine, care for it. He's saying I and the Father are one. It belongs to God, it belongs to me. He's saying, take care of everything because it's mine. Follow my commands and care for the earth because it's mine. Matthew, and even more directly, in John's gospel, Jesus said, for God so loved the cosmos that he sent his only son. And that, that we hear in English, we hear, for God so loved the world, and we think of us. But in Greek, it says cosmos, for God so loved the cosmos. He, made, he loved everything that he made that he sent his son to redeem it all. Surely, we must talk about evangelism and discipleship in our broken world. However, we miss much when we make mission about only those things as if they were the only things that were broken, because they're not the only thing that's broken. Our relationship with creation is broken under the weight of sin. All of creation is groaning and living under that, under that weight. As Christians, we need to care for everything that God loves, people and creation. And as Psalm 104 says, he does love it. So how do, we, how, how do the scriptures say that we should do that? What are the guideposts that we can use? And Genesis 1 and 2, as we said, have some principles that we can understand how it is that we are to care for the earth. And these are use, rule, serve, and protect. And, the, the, and um, that's what we're going to look at now. And uh, before we do that, we need to talk about stewardship and owner. God is the owner of all creation, he, and we are the stewards. We're the earth keepers. We are the people caring for it. And let's take a look at a definition of a steward or a caretaker. A steward is someone who cares for something that does not belong to them as if it was their own, and they care for it on behalf of someone else who is the owner. An easy example of this that you might understand is the, the laptop that I have in my bag over there that I got from Resonate. I work for Resonate Global Mission, and they gave me a laptop. Actually, they didn't give it to me because it really technically belongs to the IT department of the CRCNA. So the IT department gave me this, computer, this laptop to use as if it was my own. 
They entrusted it to me to take care of it, to use it, and when it gets old and needs to be replaced, I bring it back and I get a new one. We can't do that with creation. So my example is not such a good one. However, I think you understand. I'm taking care of that on their behalf. They're letting me use it. So the first two commands, God said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over all of that creation. Subdue in Hebrew is kabosh, which means to eliminate, to finish, to conquer, to destroy, to, to it is no more, basically, is kabosh. The, uh, whatever you had for breakfast this morning, plant or animal, those things don't exist anymore because it's gone, it's kabosh. That's an example of kabosh. The timbers that have been used to build this, the, the beams in this sanctuary, these arches, those trees are gone. That's kabosh, and we can do that. The next one is rule over. In, in Hebrew, that's radah. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so if there are any Hebrew scholars out there, please forgive me. I'm a forester by training, and I work you know, in community development and networking, so not the Hebrew thing. But anyway, um, radah means to rule over something and rule over it wisely and rule over it justly. A ruler, Psalm 72 talks about this ruler, a ruler who rules over things in order that all parts of the kingdom might flourish. A benevolent ruler, one who wants to see a flourishing at all levels of the kingdom. And these two commands work together to make continuity and sustainability and flourishing of creation. We can use, yes, but we can't use up. We can't use everything. More than anything, these two commands reflect the sound ecological principles that we've discovered over time through reading God's words, reading God's letters further and further. The, the people that fish in the North Sea, their governments understand that we just can't go and fish everything out. We can't take all the fish out of the North Sea and expect there to be some. We need to leave fish, and that's why the government of Canada and the US, Norway, Iceland, they say there's a quota of the tons of fish that you can take out. If we take out more than that, there, there won't be any more. We would have kiboshed everything. So this ruling says, leave some in order that my, my, my creation might continue to flourish. So next, in Genesis 2, God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and tend it. And working is Hebrew abad, which means to serve the needs of. And this isn't worshiping, but it is serving the needs because we have that piece of creation. Um, a good example is that sometimes recently it's become sort of uh, popular to uh, keep chickens. Um, where I was working in Tanzania, everybody kept chickens and, chickens, and it was really popular. I understand that in West Michigan it's also become kind of popular. And if you have chickens, you understand that you have to feed them, water them, give them medicine, give them shelter, and you have to take care of them every day. And you can't just go on vacation and expect they're going to be okay. And you have to pull that money to do that food and water and medicine out of your own pocket. That's serving, that's serving the creation that you have because it's your responsibility to have it. I don't have any chickens, so I'm not worried about that. If somebody does, they're worried about it. That's a bod. And the last one, God says to 
um, he says to take care or tend it. And this is the word shamar. This is shamar as in a complete, total protection. May the Lord God bless you and shamar you is what he told, God told Moses to tell Aaron, to tell the people, may the Lord God bless you and shamar you, protect you, keep you. There is, there is more in the Bible about stewardship and caring for creation. I don't have all that much time. But um, fortunately, we already are practicing stewardship in our daily lives. We are already God's stewards. And some of our stewardship is good, and some of our stewardship needs to be improved. Um, but we must keep on trying, because it's about getting it right, getting the right relationship with God. And when we're doing stewardship properly, we're getting his blessing. We don't want to miss that. A friend of mine told me that he, uh, he rides his bike to work, he plants a garden, he turns off unnecessary lights and switches for the the computer strip, you know, we all have these computer strips, these plug strips, shut that off in the night. Um, he does all those things because he understands that, well, first of all, he knows that he's not going to save the planet by doing that. That's not going to happen. However, by doing those things, he's reminding himself every day that this is God's creation. I'm here to take care of it. And this is what I need to do to get myself in right relationship with God related to the stewardship and creation. It's like praying or reading the Bible every day. It's something that we do to orient ourselves again to God and to his blessings. That's why we do stewardship every day. Some, some missionaries are missionaries to believers, um, teaching and preaching people who already believe in, in Christ. And some missionaries are to non-believers, evangelism, church planting, I'm working with Christians in the Balkans to raise up a movement of people and churches to care for creation. I'm also on mission when I'm talking to you. You're God's people. This is a message for God's people. So basically, I just moved my mission field from there to here. Sometimes people can't do that because they work in a hospital or a church and you can't take it along. I can take this along and here I am. I'm just on a different mission field for a little while. Before we um, go further, it's important to remember a few things about what we're talking about. Um, first of all, our stewardship and our use of steward of creation is from a position of responsibility, not privilege. Second, these principles work anywhere in the world, wherever they're applied. And they work because God is the great ecologist who, built, who created all this and he knows how it works and he said, listen, take care of my land in these ways and you will be blessed. So you can, we can do soil conservation in Michigan, in France, in Hungary, in Philippines, wherever we can do soil conservation, it will work because God said, this is how my creation works. Growing vegetables in a small garden works the same, play, same way anywhere you do it. Third, we also need to remember that God is not creation and creation is not God. God looked at creation and said it is very good. And so we're not worshiping creation. And fourth, it is important to remember that we are the stewards of creation. God entrusted us to be his stewards, not whales and buffalo and squirrels and all the other 
minutiae creatures, the little insects in the world, they are not stewards. We are stewards. They are creation, and they're living by instinct. So what do others need to see when we are working on creation, when we are being creation care stewards? They need to see that they need to see the same thing whenever we are doing any act of service or compassion. They need to see that we have hope. We have hope, and that's why we do these things. Even in the dire situation that we are in, we have hope. Our stewardship is not motivated by fear or anger. Our stewardship is motivated by joy and obedience because God gave us this beautiful world to live in. And Romans 8.19 is an expression of that hope. The creation, await, the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And New Testament scholar N.T. Wright commented on this verse very well. And he said, the whole creation is waiting in eager longing, not just for its own redemption, its liberation from decay, from corruption and decay, but for God's children to be revealed. In other words, for the unveiling of those redeemed humans, all of you, through whose stewardship creation will be at last brought back into the wise order for which it was made. That's quite a statement. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And finally, a few comments to conclude. There is a lot of division among people today, Christians and non-Christians alike, about what exactly is happening with the global changes in the climate and the environment. I'm not going to be naive and imagine that we're all on the same page. For me, the situation is clear. Our modern world is always in greater and greater need and pursuit and expansion of finding resources to meet our demands for our consumer goods. We go to the end of the earth to find oil, to find all these resources to fuel our cars and power our cities and move our products around the globe. And all this is impacting creation through change in climate, loss of biodiversity, habitat destruction through deforestation, and increased vulnerability of the poorest among us in the world. If we have different opinions about this situation, then we can and we should continue talking about that subject. Because coming to an understanding, because coming to understand the causes and solutions to this global situation will be very important and pressing for the youngest people who are sitting in the congregation this morning. So we need to get on with that. Even if we disagree, we need to keep talking. And regardless of our differences of opinion, I hope that we can agree on two things, two simple things that come from our very quick walk through the Bible this morning and scriptures. First of all, I hope that we can agree all of creation is from God and belongs to God. Psalm 104 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's God's, it's not ours. He made it all very good and he put us in charge. And he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, not the, you know, the, the halfwayness thereof, no, the fullness of creation. And second, I hope that we can agree that we have been commanded by God to be his stewards. 
We've been put in charge of caring for creation. Using it? Yes. Taking care of it so that it continues to flourish? Yes, both of those at the same time. No matter what the condition of the creation is, we've been put in charge and we are the caretakers. Six, seven, lost my page here. Okay. So I hope that we can be united as believers in Jesus about those two things. And with that, with that kind of unity, we can do much. Now, you might say to me, Steve, this is really heavy. This is really heavy. It's too much on a Sunday. You've got to be kidding me. We can't really do all that stuff. This, is, this message is too, too much. Well, I think the Israelites thought the same thing. And they forgot about the Sabbath year for a long time. For well over 500 years, they forgot all about doing the Sabbath year every seven years. And God says, um, listen, I take this seriously. He told the Israelites, I take this seriously. The land needs its rest like you do. That's why we said the Sabbath year. And because you've disobeyed me, you're going to go to exile. You're going to Babylon. And he sent them away. In Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Jeremiah, it talks about this exile of God sending the Israelites away. But he also promised that he would be good to them and that he would forgive them and he would bring them back. This is Jeremiah 29, 11, which we know, we, we know this verse. For the plan, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And so the verse right before that, Jeremiah 29, 10, when the time for Babylon had been completed, when the 70 years had been fulfilled, I will bring you back, for I know the plans that I have for you. The land needed its rest first, and the Israelites forgot all about that. So have we forgotten? Have we forgotten that we are caretakers of creation? Perhaps we've not heard this message before, and that's my work. That's, this is what I do with Resonate in the Balkans, Romania, Croatia, Serbia, and this is also what I do here on home service, visiting churches. It's to share this message, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that. At the present time, much is changing in the natural world, and our combined impact on it as modern, technically developed society is, is heavy. But we're called to care for creation in whatever the condition it might be. Cal DeWitt says that from the CRC background professor at University of Wisconsin, Cal DeWitt says that we must care for creation in whatever condition it is. And if I could have that first slide. So this, this is part of creation, and this is a really easy place to take care of. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, we want to go there. We want to avoid whatever creatures might live there that you know, could potentially harm us, wolves, wolverines, bear. But it's beautiful. That's, that's an easy place. Yeah, Steve, let's, let's care for creation. Beautiful. The next, we also need to take care of this place. This is a hard environment to take care of as Christian stewards. It's a, it's a Google Earth shot of, um, of Palm Springs, California. Golf courses and green and parks and such in the middle and air conditioning units in the middle of the desert. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of, that's a lot of hard situation to care for because it takes so much energy. It has a huge impact. But this is what we need to care for. And this one, this is the open uh, dump outside of Cluj in Romania. And God says, 
whatever the condition of my creation, you need to take care of it. Whether you made it a mess or not, you're taking care of it. This is what we need to take care of. And also in Romania, there's many, many of these factories. I could show you many of them on an easy drive around. They were, uh, they've been shut since the fall of communism. And there they are. And we also need to take care and remember about places that we might never get. This is, I don't know, this is one of the two poles. I'm not sure which one. Um, I don't plan, I don't think I'm going to get to the Antarctic or the Arctic. Maybe some of you will. This is where we need to be caring for creation as well. Or some paradise kind of place that we think of when we think of the tropics. Or it could also be a very familiar place such as a garden. This woman and her family are gardening, they're farming in East Africa in a place that they know quite, quite well. Like your backyard, you know that very well. Like your, the places where you go, the garden where you tend the soil, the place where you go camping, you know that well. That's what you're caring for. That's how familiar it can be as well. So it's never too late for us to become caretakers of God's creation once again. God will bless, God will forgive, God will not forget, and God will heal. The blessed truth is that God did not abandon the Israelites, and he will not abandon us. In fact, God says in Chronicles, Second Chronicles, if my people, all of you, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal the land. May it be so. Thank you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Creator God, we, we thank you for the beautiful world that you made. We pray that we would be capable and able and willing stewards to care for your creation as you desire in order that it might continue to flourish and flourish well for your glory, giving you praise and worship in all that it does every day. Lord, we ask that you would provide our needs and that you would watch over us the rest of this day. In your holy name we pray, amen.